You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Hello, uh, what an introduction. Wow, I am humbled and I'm so blessed and so honoured to be here able to preach to you, well, you know, um, share the word that God's put on my heart. Uh, it's honestly a blessing and it's it really is a privilege. I don't take it lightly. I was getting undone in the worship. I was thinking, not now, Holy Spirit. I, I'm going to start crying, trying to put makeup on and look decent for you all. But hey, who cares about decency when Holy Spirit's involved? What a beautiful worship set. All I really want is you. Wow. Wow. It just undoes me. Brings us back to the, the place, the simplicity of why we do this is because of him and all we want is him hey let's not resist him let's not resist the holy spirit this morning i believe he's got a, a word in season for us and i i get to be the donkey that shares that with you so here we go and let me tell you a little bit about my story first <clears throat> so many years ago many years ago like we're talking uh early 90s <laughs> i um i got saved i got radically saved and jesus came and touched my life he encountered me uh, in the most beautiful way, beautiful way. Uh, and in that time, God was moving powerfully. He was actually, there was a massive revival happening. Some of you who are old enough um, will remember this. It was called the Toronto Blessing. I like to call it the Toronto Firestorm rather than blessing. I mean, it was a blessing, but wow, God was moving. And what an exciting time for me as a born again baby Christian to come into the Christian world. Like, the Holy Spirit was being poured out in such a radical way. I got to see him move incredibly and, and not only move among other people, but he touched me. Like he met me powerfully. He met me incredibly. He transformed me. He changed me. And he, he really, it, it was the beginning of what made me go after him like never before. But the really awesome thing about that time was when the Holy Spirit came in, in such a beautiful, radical way. I mean, he came in a way that, that, transformed people but he revealed the father's heart that was one of the main things of that move and every time god moves there's kind of a theme that happens sometimes it's holiness and repentance and god knows where the adjustments need to be right because he's god he knows what he wants his people to look like and so at that time it was father's heart it was the love of the father it was an identity shift many people who were worn out exhausted even ministers of the gospel were getting so refreshed like so set on fire again, they went and into all of the world, actually, and the fruit can be seen to this day. And you can look that up yourself if you want to have a look at that. Uh, so what a climate. And what I saw that even here in Melbourne, churches began to be just so filled with his presence. And it wasn't just one type of church. And this is what I love when the Holy Spirit gets poured out in this way and revival comes. Every church that loves Jesus whether traditional or full on on the spectrum of, of you know, uh, Pentecostal, every one of those churches was encountered by his presence, was marked by his presence and began to work together. So we were in a little um, CRC church and we would get invited to go and, and we were just young adults and we would get invited to go and minister at Dingley Anglican Church where thousands of people came through, saved and not saved, came through to get touched by the Holy Spirit, to experience Jesus. Salvations were off the charts. I mean, the Catholic Church was experiencing the same thing. It just, every denomination, like it's like the lines were blurred. And I love that about God's move. The lines get blurred. The lines that we put up get blurred and suddenly, the secondary issues were non-existent and we were a church, a church in a city, 
not just a denomination, there was a church on fire in this city and Melbourne began to be impacted like never before. And the, the buzz was that every church was on fire for Jesus. Every church was seeing um, signs, wonders, miracles happening. I mean, there were crazy things. There were gold teeth appearing. People were getting saved um, just in the most crazy ways. And it was such an exciting time. We, beca- we became really the church that we talk about, the church living on mission. And what a time for me to come into that church. And since then, you know, I have actually been into many, uh, been through some other moves of God, many actually, and they've been just as powerful, just as impacting. And again, it's brought us back to what the main mission of Jesus has brought us back to loving one another, being the church that he's called us to be, working together to see people touched and encountered by Jesus. I mean, that's what we're here for. And that's why God does what he does you know, it transformed me as an individual. Many individuals were changed. I was shy. I was rejected. I felt unseen. I felt unloved. I, I just walked around with those labels on me. And when he came to me with the Father's love in that move, wow, it shifted everything. It changed everything. I mean, he broke that stuff off. And if that's what you need to hear today, if you're watching and you're shy or you're anxious or you're afraid, God can meet you where you're at in your home right now. Holy Spirit wants to come to you and encounter you with the love of the Father and break that stuff off you so you can be what he's called you to be. He loves you. He so loves you. Let me quickly pray and then I want to get into a prophetic word that he gave me for us. So why don't you join me? Holy Spirit, wow, we love when you come. So we welcome you. We welcome your presence. I just ask that you'd stir up hunger, stir up a hunger in us. Awaken us. Awaken us to love. Awaken us to your presence. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our ears that we may hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so let's see if I can move this. This is what I felt the Holy Spirit say. He says this, Acts 2. Now, Acts 2 is all about the outpouring of the Spirit. This is what he said. Acts 2 is a now word for us as the church. There is a mighty outpouring for the church in these last days. Yes, in these last days, there will be wars and rumors of wars. But in the last days, God is also about to pour out the Spirit in ways that we have not even imagined. And I felt him say this, get ready. Get ready. These are these last days. He's done it before and he will do it again. There is a ramping up of the prophetic, of prophetic dreams, of prophecies, of visions, and especially of powerful miracles, signs, and wonders. This is the day of signs and wonders. The public endorsement of Jesus in Acts 22, or 2.22, sorry, was the signs, wonders, and powerful miracles that he did. God is looking for a people that he can entrust and endorse by doing powerful miracles, signs and wonders through them. And he says this, this last day's outpouring is for a people. You have to hear this. It's for a people. It's not for an individual. Just as it was in Acts 2, just as it has always been, actually, it's always for a people, a people in one place on one mission, with one focus. And that is what positions us for the suddenness of God to break in. 
God is looking for a people to ruthlessly commit to being together. That is key in this word. This is not the time to pull away. Now, this is scripture, Hebrews 10, 25. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Yes, I'm saying this in COVID uh, restrictions time. We're in lockdown. Yes, I know. But God is speaking this and he knows very well the season that we're in. Yes, he knows we're in lockdown, but he's saying this. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. He is saying to us today, church, contend in your own spirits to turn up in the corporate space. If we want to see the Holy Spirit poured out in the way that God intends, because God has this in his heart and he wants to in the last days, if we want to see that happen, if we want the more that we cry out for, that I go on about, if we want revival to come, then we must come together because he's only going to do it in the gathering of believers. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. What a word. What a word that he he just dropped in my heart. His heart has always been for a people. It's always been for a people and it's always about a people. Let me read some scripture to you. Let's go to Acts. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Acts, the book of Acts. I love it. It's actually one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. And it's just so full of life and it's so exciting. And everything you read in the Word is an invitation for us to step into, that we get to. We get to do this. It's available for us. So read it in that sense. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Then chapter 2. There they are together. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled or rested on each of them. Wow, what a picture. Let's jump down to uh, verses 17 to 19. And it says this. No, now this is Peter talking to the crowds. They've been filled with the spirit. They get down on the streets. The crowds are there. Peter's preaching. And people are saying, wow, they must be drunk. Like they look absolutely crazy or what is going on? You know, a key to revival um, is is people get amazed and they get perplexed. When you see that happening, uh, we're probably on the right track. This is what he says to them. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says this. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Wow. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was upon a group of people, not an individual. These people were radically encountered. The disciples were radically encountered. They were baptized in the spirit and fire. Together they were changed and launched into the mission of Jesus Christ. I love it because fear was broken off. Courage was released. They were like a complete different people. This group became so united in the experience that they had together in that upper room and then in the cause that Jesus called them to that they became the very ones that turned the world upside down. 
This church is what we're called to. We too are called to this. That's exciting. We are called to be koinonia. Now, we've spoken about this word before. Koinonia is a word that, that was first used in the book of Acts, and it's a word for fellowship or for the community or company of believers that we like to say, for the church. It's a powerful word. It's actually a supernatural church. It's talking. It's something supernatural. A powerful supernatural church filled with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's koinonia. A church that's so filled that they cannot help but live on mission, loving one another radically, hearts knit together. I love how Matt always says it's family on mission. That's what we are. That's koinonia. The Bible talks about a community, just like I said, or company of believers, not the one, not the one or two, but it's the company of believers. The book of Acts is the first place that we see that word. It matters. It was like birthed there when fire came and the Holy Spirit came. The koinonia happened. The church became this supernatural force to be reckoned with. The more I've looked into it, the more I've kind of pressed in to see with the Holy Spirit what it is. Uh, it cannot happen apart from him. It's, it's a unity or relationship that is supernatural. The Christian journey as believers, for us as believers, is just about what happens to all of us, the altogether experiences, as it is the individual. You know, we live in a society that is based on individuality and individualism, and actually we're very proud of that. But then we translate that into our church experience. It becomes my individual church experience, me and Jesus. It's, it's about what I want or I think or I feel, and it's my experience. But koinonia was never that. Koinonia is about us. It's actually us together, not me as an individual. When God says, you know, he's going to pour out his spirit like never before. Remember the prophetic word I started with? He says, I'm going to pour out my spirit like never before in these last days on a people. Then we need to actually sit up, take note and pay attention. This matters to him. And we want to be those people. I know I do. I want to be that people. I want to be a part of a people that are positioned for him to come. Jesus prays a really, really powerful prayer in John 17, 20 to 22. He says this, I am not asking. Now he's praying to his father. It's like we get a little listen in to a private prayer with him and the father. And he says, I'm not asking on behalf of them alone, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That's us. And he goes on, that all of them may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. There's a mystery. Wow. So that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Now, he repeats the one uh, message, doesn't he, a couple of times. Now, if Jesus is saying this, then it's possible. This is what was on his heart shortly before he ended up having to go to the cross and go back to the Father. This was on his heart. And this is just as much on his heart right now. And it's for us as the church as much as it was for them back then. This is actually stunning. This is mind-blowing. I mean, the reason he calls us to be one, to be so united, just as, as he and the Father are one, is that the world would believe who he is. Isn't that amazing? Like the purpose of oneness is actually for mission. 
Like we're on about mission at the moment. We're on about being a, a church who is out there. We're getting out and loving hearing the stories of people sharing hope, praying for people in the streets, um, loving people. But it's so connected to the oneness of who we are all together as the church of Jesus Christ, the koinonia. So much of people encountering Jesus depends on our oneness. We have to get this. That's convicting and it's also sobering. That is why this matters. You know, we owe the world an encounter with God, but it is linked or connected to us being one, becoming one. Some of you might look or, or hear me and say, look, come on, oneness like that, that's just, that's impossible. Like that's impossible. How can that even happen? How does that happen? How do we become one? But, you know, like I said, if Jesus said it, then it's possible. There's an invitation for us to do this, to become the very answer of his prayer to the Father. It is impossible. It is, apart from the Holy Spirit, which is why we need the Holy Spirit to come, because every time he comes and he pours himself out, every time he, he encounters us, and he, especially in times of revival, there is something that happens that brings a fresh unity to the church. It solidifies or it connects us in a way that we couldn't do in the natural. He comes in greater measure for that purpose. It's a supernatural thing, but we have a choice in that. We have to choose to do whatever it takes to be the answer to Jesus's prayer. Could you do that? Would you do that with me? I know I've been really um, convicted even just as the Holy Spirit's been unpacking this with me and, and just convicted in the sense to make a choice because there is our choice in this. Now, unity, you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Unity doesn't mean we all look the same, does it? We definitely don't all look the same. We definitely don't want clones. We definitely don't want to, to look the same or sound the same. I mean, the Bible says that married couples become one, but I mean, you look at them and they're, they're very different people. I mean, David and I are very different personalities, uh, the way we think, the way we act. And yet we're one. So we get to do, to do both. It's the mystery. It's the mystery. But Holy Spirit does it. God loves us passionately as unique individuals. We have talked about this. No doubt about it. He created you and he is, he is just so passionate about you. He wants you to be fully you, full of him. However, you know, there is actually a, a spirit that is um, that I think is not good, that that is an individualistic spirit, the spirit of the world, especially in our Western world, which is, is very into idealizing individualism and holding it up on a pedestal. And it's not actually, it was against unity. It actually comes against the unity that God's called us to be as a body. And we really must fight that. As a nation, I love our nation. Most of you do too. We love this nation. It's, it's probably the best place to be in the whole world. Sorry, rest of the world, but Australia is amazing. We are so blessed. Yes, we love the nations, but we do love where God's positioned us. Uh, we are so blessed here. But in our nation, we have what I call an individualistic spirit. We have this rebellious tendency to do our own thing. Rebellion is kind of a badge of honor for Aussies in a way. And um, it's a rebellious tendency to do our own thing and not conform or not submit to anything or anyone. And I know I've even come under that myself and I've partnered with that. This is not kingdom. It's not God's pattern. It's not God's pattern. We want to be building according to the pattern that God has set out for us so that his glory can come. 
We are a part of the whole. When you get saved, when you get born again, you get positioned in to the body. You become like this beautiful mosaic. We all make up a part of the picture and that picture should look like Jesus. Together we should look like Jesus. How beautiful. Let's read another scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5 says this, as you come to him, that's Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's sight. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. He puts us into family. He's building us together as a spiritual house where his glory can come. It's always been like that. He's always wanted a place to habit to come and, and inhabit. That's the word I'm looking for. Inhabit. <laughs> Not just visit, but inhabit. And we see that throughout the Old Testament to today. Um, he's looking for a people that he can inhabit. He wants his glory to be on us, in us, and then go through us. The measure of his glory, though, will uh, release, will depend on the measure of our togetherness. Emma Stark, who is actually one of my favorite uh, prof prophetic voices in, in at the moment, I love her. She is uh, she's Irish and she lives in Scotland and uh, she's on the Global Prophetic Alliance uh, over there in the UK. She says this, and she prophesied this only a week or so ago. She said this, it's in the authenticity of your gathering that his power will come. I will show up, says God, to the measure that you let your guard down. I will show up to the measure that you love like a family. I will show up to the measure of your vulnerability. I am already with you to the measure you are with each other. Revival is there to the measure we are with each other. Wow, what a word. That is important to know. That is why God is saying this, that together matters. I've got lots of scriptures for you today. Acts chapter, where are we up to? Chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Now, this one I'm reading in the Passion Translation because I love how they've, they've translated this. It says this, Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the apostles. I like this bit. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another. There's the koinonia. That's the supernatural part that God does. Their hearts were linked to one another, sharing communion, coming together regularly for prayer, and a deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone. Wow. Swept over everyone. And guess what happened? Then the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. So it's all happening. There's the fear of God, this holiness, they're sharing communion, they're coming together. He's linking them, interlinking hearts, connecting them supernaturally. And all the believers were in fellowship as one body. They were koinonia. They shared with one another whatever they had out of the generosity, um, out of their own generosity, they even... Uh, sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. That's beautiful. T together they daily met in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. There was joy. There should be joy in our gatherings. There should be so much joy. They were continually filled with the praises to God, enjoying the favor of all people. And the result was that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
Wow, there's so much in that scripture. I just want to have a little look at they devoted themselves that bit because that's what God's on at the moment. He's talking about being being just so committed to being together because in our togetherness, his glory comes and then it goes out into the world. So let's have a look. Devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves. Devoted means they committed. Uh, they were attached. They zealously went after. Faithful in loyalty and affection. I mean, that's devoted. So have a look. They devoted themselves. So no one made them do this. Each one freely chose to commit and attach themselves zealously with faithful loyalty to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to koinonia. They chose to do this. Fellowship is more more than surface level. It's so deep. It's intimate unity in the Great Commission that we talk about and we've been going on about, especially in our Disciple Shift series, uh, the commission to go and make disciples and disciples who make disciples. Jesus gave this command, but he was talking to actually a group of people, not to an individual. It was a mission to a people. Yes, it takes an individual to encounter Jesus. We must have our own encounter and encounters ongoingly with Jesus. We must have our own encounters where we're so full of the Holy Spirit, our own revival encounters. We have to do that. That is so important. And so don't stop that. Go after that with everything. The secret place matters between you and God. Yes, that's important. But the mission he gave us to was for a people, not for for an individual, not for a superstar, not for just someone who has uh, that amazing gift. It's for all of us. It takes a people who are ruthlessly, recklessly in love with Jesus and in love with one another. This goes for our own church family, but it goes for the wider body as well. Are we ruthlessly and recklessly in love with Jesus? I hope you say yes to that if you know him and you love him. But at the same time, are we ruthlessly and recklessly in love with the family that God's positioned us in as the body of Christ? John 13, 35, Jesus said this, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Wow, there's a marker. There's a marker of a disciple. We talk about being a disciple. Well, that is what a disciple looks like. Jesus said it. They'll know if you love one another. Who will know? The world. Those who don't know Jesus yet. The people watching us um, who are in our families, neighbours, in the cities, they will know that we are disciples of Jesus by our love for one another. You know, this is why it matters. But Satan is so adamant to, to distract, to attack, to break down and break in and bring division and destruction. We can't be blinded to that. We must be alert, not live in fear. But have a look. His schemes don't change. This is why he goes after it, because he knows the power of koinonia. He knows the power of unity, a church united. He knows what that will do. You know, David, my husband said, um, he felt prophetically a couple of weeks ago that the enemy's number one tactic right now is distraction and destruction. Distraction and destruction. We must be vigilant and not ignorant to his schemes. Let's keep it about Jesus. Let's keep it about each other. Let's keep it about his mission. Let's choose to devote ourselves to one another and he'll do the supernatural in it. Is that good? Amen. Wish I could hear you, see you. Preach. Come on. Um, Holy Spirit's here. Hebrews 10, 25. 
You know, in the prophetic word I read says this, I want to read it again. This is not the time. Yes, you're in lockdown, but this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Look, it may look different. It may look different for this season, but let's not pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we see the day coming or the day dawning. The Holy Spirit's calling us, contend in your spirit even now to turn up in the corporate space. Contend in your spirit for the altogether because it starts here. It starts in the heart. It starts in our mind. It can start right now. Um, The season will shift. We will be meeting in person again. We need to do this now. We need to deal with this right now so that things shift, so that when we come together, we look different. And actually, the Holy Spirit has a place to come and land. He has a place to pour himself out. You know, remember the Holy Spirit said in these last days, I'm going to pour out, or in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And I said that God is wanting to pour out his spirit on us in a way right now that has not happened before. It's a new way for a new day. He's coming in great power. But what are the last days? I mean, we don't hear a lot spoken on the last days. Uh, There's lots of opinions on the end times. I'm not going to talk about end times. But what are the last days? What is the the day dawning, you know, or the day approaching? What is the Bible talking about? Well, you know, when Jesus died, he went to the cross and, and went to be with the Father. From that moment on, the disciples talking about them as being the last days. And so they were the beginning of the last days. I don't know where we are on the line of the last days. Uh, we don't know how much more there is, but we are in these last days. That's why I call it these last days. We are living in these last days. So it's now and it's not yet. And none of us know. And that's why there's an urgency and excitement about living in the last days. We must keep that at the forefront when we're uh, doing life and not forget that these are the last days. We read in Acts that in the last days, God's going to pour out his spirit, right? And he's done so. He's done it multiple times, continues to do so, but he's telling us that he has a fresh outpouring that's for us in these last days. The writers of the New Testament were in no doubt they were in the last days. So like I said, none of us know. None of us know. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now, what I love is that Jesus prepared us and he, he warned us and not only warned us, he actually just showed us what was coming. He's equipped us for it as well. Okay, so we're not talking about stepping into fear. Uh, we don't want to put our head in the sand either. Let's not be ignorant in the last days. Let's look around and be aware of what is going on. There will be times of trouble. Mark 13, 7 to 8 says this, you'll hear about wars. You'll hear also about uh, people talking about future wars. Like we're hearing this all the time. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid. Those things must happen. But the end still isn't here. This is what the Bible says. Nation will fight against nation. Kingdom will fight against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in many places. So natural disasters will be part of the deal. People will go hungry. All of those things are the beginning of birth pains. This is why I said we need to live with the urgency of eternity. We are seeing this happening in the world around us. Yes, there's an agenda of the enemy. Yes, he's at work as he's always been. And we need to live with a sense of urgency that eternity matters, that every day someone is going into eternity. What is that eternity? 
We have to be ruthless. This is why we're on and on about this. Be ruthless about making it all about Jesus and the mission that he has to be disciples who make disciples. That is why we bring people like Pat Steele in to encourage and equip and spur us on to get out there. The days are short. We don't know how long we've got. But it's good news too. While there seems to be so much going on in the last days and in these last days, there is the promise that I started with that God is going to pour out his spirit on us like never seen before. Come on, that's exciting. That's something to be so looking out for and expectant for. An outpouring of his presence is what revival is. Yes, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Yes, be alert and aware and be wise. And God wants to give us wisdom from above in these times. But also be looking out for and leaning in for the move of his spirit. And it's going to happen uh, when we position ourselves together. So revival. I started off with a story about revival, the Toronto blessing. Uh, There's been many other revivals before and many since that time. But it's been a little while now since we've seen a a mighty, mighty move of God on that scale. Uh, It's coming. It's coming. So why? Why is revival important? What What does it matter? Well, revival, like I said, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's it's bringing back to life. It's the breath of life. I just felt this breath come into me. It's this breath of life. It's his breath upon us. It's life. And yes, we're living. Yes, we're going for it. Yes, we're we're becoming more and more like Jesus and on fire. So I'm not it's not a downer saying that we're not there. But in a sense, we're not there because there's always more in God. And he's saying we need a fresh outpouring. Revival touches us. Number one, revival looks like something. So it touches us personally and corporately. It's not just about me now getting touched by the Holy Spirit as I do in my room. It's going to be us together encountering his presence in radical, tangible, very real ways. I love our Ben Hughes says, when revival happens, Jesus gets really real, like really real. And that's awesome. The outpouring of the Spirit on a people, that's what this looks like. Um, encounters, uh, we start to see boldness come on people. We start to see a fearlessness. We see a ramping up of signs, wonders, miracles, not just through one or two, but through everybody because they know what's in their hand. They know what they've got. That's exciting. So exciting. And and the most beautiful thing is love for one another increases. There's an increase in unity. And that's so, so what God wants to see. Number two, revival sounds like something. So it looks like something and it sounds like something. It's a supernatural thing. It's more than what you see and hear in the natural. It's a supernatural sound. And I love it because this supernatural sound brings people in supernaturally because that's what happened when the outpouring happened in Acts 2. Uh, the, the disciples went down and there were crowds, like hundreds and hundreds of people had gathered. That was not because of them praying in tongues. Look, we prayed in tongues out in public. It doesn't draw crowds like that. Yes, it's powerful. doesn't draw crowds. It's a supernatural sound that rings out when revival comes, a sound that gathers and brings in, but also then thrusts people or sends us out into the harvest field. So it's a coming in and a going out and a coming in and a going out. We can't help. Both are happening simultaneously. That's revival. That's what we're called to. Revival number three moves us to action. 
just as I was saying. It releases and compels us. You don't then have to be told, oh, these are the three steps of evangelism and I might grab this and oh, how am I going to think about what to say? You can't help it. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he so fills you, he so sets you on fire, you cannot help but get out. You cannot help. You may fumble. You, you, you're not even self-conscious anymore. Like you're so God-conscious, you know that God is there and it, it's not even about you. Suddenly it's not about you. That's what we need to get to because that's what he wants. Revival does that to us. And number four, revival blesses the city. It blesses the nation and it blesses the nations. Like it's bigger than you think. Do we need this? Yes, we do. If God wants to pour out his spirit, then he knows we need this. We want to be like the disciples of the, of the time, those that turn the world upside down. You know, God's heart, I'm going to finish up in a moment. God's heart, as I said, has always, always, always been to save a people, to free a people, to use a people, to deliver a people, to have relationship, intimate relationship with a people, to use a people, to save a people. It's the original people power. <laughs> I like that. He's, you know, a people so full of his presence, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, compelled by love and living on mission. That's what we're going after. You know, God says once we were no people, but now guess what? We're God's people. We have identity and we have purpose in who he, he's called us to be. If we want to see him move in great power, if we want to see the more of God and revival come to us, to this church at Melbourne Lights, to the churches in our city, to this city, to this nation, and then to the nations, if we want all that he has for us in these last days, then it's going to take us being a company of believers. It's the all together. We have to do this together, arm in arm, positioned in unity under one name. Ready then for the suddenlies of the Holy Spirit to come in great, great power. Wow, a family driven by love on one mission, moving powerfully with signs, wonders and miracles to see Jesus revealed. Matt is going to come with Elodie, I think, and they're going to lead us in a response because you can't hear a word and, uh, you know, any word really, and not respond. James says, be doers of the word. You have a responsibility now, you've heard it, to respond to the word that God's spoken. He's going to come and do that. They're going to come and, and speak and share a response and we want to partner with, with what he's saying, right? So my encouragement to you as I finish off is let's determine to be a people who are wildly in love with Jesus a people who are wildly in love with one another and a people who are wildly in love with the mission that he's called us to. And let's position ourselves for the wildest outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these last days. Amen. God bless you guys. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au. 